Hey guys, I'm so excited for this last episode of my athletes interview series. Make sure to go listen to my first two episodes if you haven't already to learn about SJ Guerin and Celeste Confion's recruiting stories, as well as other helpful information. Today, we'll be talking to Miss Angie Guerin. She was a powerful hitter with a great arm pitching and fantastic field work at first. Then shortly after leaving everything out on the field during her years at the University of Tulsa, she had to say goodbye as a player, but to start a new beginning as a coach and recruiter. Miss Angie, you played and coached for the University of Tulsa, which is incredible, by the way. But how would you describe your time being there as a student athlete? Well, as a student athlete, um, it was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I went to the University of Tulsa is a private school, mm-hmm. um, Division One school, and so the academics were really rigorous. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of support, but um, I remember just really being busy, uh, and it kind of took on, you know, almost like a job. Now that I'm working in a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It um it was not so much of the fun stuff that I had growing up, um, and more more business like. Mm-hmm. Since you had been around the sport and you have a lot of knowledge for it as well, um, in total, how long would you say you had played softball for? Uh, I started when I was six, so probably in total, close to twenty years. Wow, that that's amazing. Throughout those years, had you always wanted to play college softball? No, college I never even thought about until I was actually around um, 11 years old, 12 years old, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And uh, my um, my dad had taken me to a, a camp at the college. It was in my hometown. Mm-hmm. And that coach had told me, you know, that uh, she said, you're really good. And she said, I just want you to know that I'm going to keep an eye on you, and, you know, when it's time for you to choose a college, I'm going to come and call you wow. if you keep working this hard. And, you know, I was young, and I was like, okay, whatever. I don't mm-hmm. know who she was. And, uh, you know, my dad explained it. He's like, look, he's like, you want to go to college? He's like, you have to pay for it. And he's like, this is the way you could pay for it. Mm-hmm. And so it was around that time that it kind of opened my eyes up to the possibility of being able to play college softball I had never thought about it um up until that point I just love to play I actually thought that I could go play professional baseball I I thought that they would let me do that (laughs) (laughs) um so that was kind of my aspiration I was going to go play for the Atlanta Braves Um, and so when that opened my eyes I, I really started to think about it and I started focusing on how you know how I needed to get there Mm-hmm. and what I needed to do so um I guess you know early on no I wasn't thinking about playing college softball but you know right kind of before junior high is when it really kind of set in my mind that that was a possibility and I wanted to do it mm-hmm. prior to the rule changing student athletes would commit early just like SJ but now are only able to commit uh, their junior year during your high school years, did you go through a similar process of how it is now? Well, we, um, back then we were using snail mail. We didn't have all of this electronic stuff. So I um, started getting letters probably around my um, end of my summer year uh, when I was a sophomore. 
mm-hmm. um, my summer travel ball season, I started getting letters from um, universities. Mm-hmm. And then um, it really wasn't until my senior year. Um, and I remember the rule was uh, they couldn't talk to you in the middle of a tournament. So mm-hmm. they had to wait till you, your team was out of the tournament and then they could talk to you. And um, my nationals, right after um, my um, junior year, right before my senior year of high school, uh, we lost, and it had, you know, been the furthest that my travel team had ever gone in nationals, and mm-hmm. it ended up, like, there were so many coaches, I was really just kind of overwhelmed, um, places I'd never even heard of, universities I didn't even know existed, uh, and so it really, um, it was kind of stressful, mm-hmm. uh, especially that fall, I played ball with growing up that, uh, you know, they kind of had dream schools, um, and, you know, she had already gone to camps and on her own, um, the university that she ended up going to, which was her dream school. Mm -hmm. So she, you know, she had those other processes, but she pretty much had it in her mind where she wanted to go anyway. So, um, for me, I really, I hadn't got that far. I just knew I wanted to go to a smaller school. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go to a giant school because I had gone to one of the largest high schools in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really wanted to be in a smaller you know, college atmosphere. Right. So most of the people I talked to who chose a specific college would say that they fell in love for numerous of reasons. At that time, you were making your decision as to which schools to look at. What was your thought process to finding the college that most suited you? Well, I really was looking more education-wise. Um, at that time, I wanted to be a sports writer and mm-hmm. uh, a college. So I was looking at a lot of the private universities mm-hmm. um, or smaller Division One schools. Mm-hmm. I did look at some big universities. I visited Florida State University. I visited... Um, Illinois State, uh, OU and OSU, um, and Oklahoma, uh, but um, really I was more interested in the smaller universities, mm-hmm. and when I went to Tulsa, um, I just, I really enjoyed the campus, and uh, the people that I met there, um, you know, it seemed, it seemed like a, a small family type atmosphere, mm-hmm. and uh, I really, that I really enjoyed that. Um, I, I really liked the people at Florida State, too. At that time, Dr. Graff was the coach, mm-hmm. uh, Joanne Graff, and, uh, and uh, Connie Clark was their pitching coach. And I really enjoyed the athletic department, but I never really got the same feel with um, the academic side and the school side. And mm-hmm. so I really I wanted, a, I wanted a place that I knew I would get a good education. Mm-hmm. And so um, I knew Tulsa was, was it. Mm-hmm. Later on in your life, you found yourself going through an experience, not as a player anymore, but as a parent with SJ. How did you feel going through that recruiting process with her? I was really blown away when it started mm-hmm. um, because I had previously coached Division One mm-hmm. and recruited, and I was never looking at kids that young. Mm-hmm. And so um, I remember the first kind of unofficial visit that we were on, and I didn't realize that's what it was. And mm-hmm. I remember asking the coach, like, what What do you see in my daughter? <laughs> yeah. 
you know, she's not even physically mature yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a well-respected coach, and she told me some of the things that she was looking at, and she felt like, you know, there were other universities that would try to get in with her early. Mm -hmm. And she said, she's right in my back door. If I don't try this now, you know, and try to get our foot in the door with her now, it'll be too late if Mm -hmm. I wait. Okay, and I, I didn't realize. I really didn't. And I ended up calling, talking to my former um, head coach that I mm-hmm. coached under, and just asking, like, is this, is this really happening? Is this for real? Mm-hmm. So um, I really, as a parent, um, I felt like I had to kind of guide. SJ through this mm-hmm. uh, and you know my husband Robbie was also uh, recruited for football so we had both been through the recruiting process mm-hmm. and both played division one athletes you know we're mm-hmm. division one athletes and um, I really felt like I I remember after every visit we would take I would make her just write down everything <laughs> write mm-hmm. down everything that you liked everything you didn't like because it gets really overwhelming you know when you mm-hmm. see all the universities like, I really want you to make the right decision for you if you're going to make it this young. Mm-hmm. They're like, you don't have to. You really don't have to. There's nothing that says that, you know, they wouldn't recruit you later. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, she came to that decision on her own. Do you have any tips or advice you would like to share for parents that may be having their kids going through the process right now? So I really think that... Um, you know, I think there's an emphasis on only getting recruited for certain positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I I think that, you know, if you can find one thing to do well and then be a strong hitter or if you're an incredible base runner, mm-hmm. do do everything you can to, to be, you know, and, and – um, you know the, the the best in that you know that that area that you mm-hmm. work in you know that you're good at rather mm-hmm. than trying to you know I think sometimes they look at other athletes and assume that that's what everybody's looking for and so I need to bulk up and be bigger mm-hmm. or um, I need to you know I need to hit the ball over the fence mm-hmm. you know and so that's what they work on and um, so that's kind of the Thing that you know, I think that if they will just do do themselves, you know, mm-hmm. be themselves and work at the things that they're really good at, and really you you stand out at one thing, um, and it just happens to be something that a coach is really looking for, mm-hmm. you're you're going to get recruited. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I did the same thing as when I was recruiting for Tulsa. As I would look for athletes, um, I had to look for athletes that were smart for the mm-hmm. first thing because mm-hmm. they had to be able to. Um, have a certain SAT and ACT score to get into the University of Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also they had to have good grades because uh, if they came in and they were, you know, a below average student or even average student, sometimes they wouldn't be able to make it academically at Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And so I usually had to find those student athletes that were, that were you know, just, they you know, they had a, a, a real craft for what they were doing mm-hmm. and so you know we would 
we would look for someone that was really speedy and knew how to re- run the bases. Or I would look for somebody that maybe hit with a lot of power but was inconsistent, but it was something that I could work with, mm-hmm. you know, and, and develop um, in college. I wasn't looking for, you know, the, the pre-made athlete to mm-hmm. come in. So um, I think that, you know, the um, recruiting process, now that it, the pressure is off to be, you know, seen when you're 12, mm-hmm. um, I think that's helped because it's given athletes that needed to just physically mature the opportunity to, to have that growth mm-hmm. and um, further develop so that, you know, coaches, you know, have a chance to see everybody. Right. In my first question, I had mentioned – even you had mentioned uh, later on that you had coached at the University of Tulsa. How would you describe your experience being a coach as well as a recruiter? It was really, um, it was one of those things I never anticipated doing. I just mm-hmm. happened to be in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. with the right coach. Um, and, you know, he asked me if I'd be interested in being a pitching coach. It's not even like I had applied for it and you know I thought about it and I was like you know I would really like the opportunity to turn our Mm -hmm. softball program around at Tulsa because we you know we were really always in the basement of every Mm -hmm. conference we ever played in Mm -hmm. so um I thought I if I was ever going to have a chance to see if I could coach this would be it Mm -hmm. and uh the college coaching is different you really have to have a mindset of um you know how there's more than just the softball piece. The softball piece is our livelihood when you're a coach. Mm -hmm. So there's more pressure on you to win and be successful uh, because your job's on the line. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, you are doing more for the individual athlete. Mm -hmm. than I think what happens sometimes in travel ball. So you're investing in them and their future. And so Mm -hmm. you're really, you're growing young young women mm-hmm. and um being able to lead them and uh that was something that I hadn't anticipated and really it was hard um it was hard dealing with that mm-hmm. uh that kind of aspect of it because you know they're um they're adults they're mm-hmm. on their own for the most part uh they don't have a parent there that is watching over them mm-hmm. and so you know we expect them to come in with a certain level of maturity and when they don't, um, I, you know, that's where I learned how to handle those type of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, you know, it was a challenging thing. The travel was a lot of fun. I got to see a lot of places, got to play um, and coach in a lot of incredible uh, facilities. Um, you know, Fresno State back in the day had the best um, facility in the country, and mm-hmm. now you know, they're all over the place. But um, I remember coaching there and playing there at Fresno State with Marsh Wright, mm-hmm. um, longtime Hall of Fame coach there. Uh, so it was it was an experience that was well worth it, but it was not something that I saw myself doing long term. Hmm. What helped you finalize your decision to coach Tulsa, Tulsa rather than move on to the next stage in your life? Well, I had the opportunity to play in the pro league, um, but I didn't feel like my body would hold up enough. Mm. And uh, I was, at that time, I had changed my major, um, my junior, senior year, 
to a speech pathology, mm. and I knew I'd have to get a master's degree. So when the coaching opportunity came along, I um, I was working as a graduate assistant as an academic advisor for the men's soccer team, mm. and um, at the University of Tulsa. So uh, that transition over, um, you know, I I really didn't I didn't know where it was going to go, and I just kind of. Mm-hmm. But I can trust that God's timing and that he'd give me the answers to what I needed to do. And, you know, I ended up being able to complete my master's while I coached. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I really, coaching was not, um, it was just not for me. I, I coach now, um, but I have a different perspective than, you know, when I originally started. So, mm-hmm. um, you have to really be dedicated to it. It's not something that is an eight to five job. Right. <laughs> um, if you get those calls in the middle of the night, um, mm. something's gone on with one of your athletes. You've got to be ready to to handle it. Mm-hmm. How has that perspective changed now? Well, I I love the field of speech pathology, mm. and so the um, tools that I've gained. Uh, from being a student athlete has helped me in some of the um, therapy techniques that I teach you know, mm-hmm. as far as uh, motor planning because it fits in with the motor planning that we learn when we're learning to hit, learning to feel, throw, pitch. Mm-hmm. So um, I uh, I think that probably the biggest thing was um, I had uh, I just realized that that lifestyle of constant travel, constant recruiting, always, you know, on the, um, kind of always on the call, Mm -hmm. uh, that was just not the kind of lifestyle that I saw myself living, and, um, you know, like I said, I finished my master's degree, and I really felt like speech pathology would take me where I wanted to go, Mm -hmm. and uh, it has. Through your coaching years, what did you find that was most key in a student-athlete? So what stood out to you most when looking for players? So um, I think the the ones that had self-discipline. Mm-hmm. So um, some of the things that I knew, because I had gone to the University of Tulsa, um, I knew that you had to be disciplined because mm-hmm. uh, you didn't have someone checking in on you all the time. Right. Um, and so I looked for those athletes that, you know, were they weren't waiting for someone to tell them to go start warming up. They were the ones that were already, you know, trying to get the team together or, mm-hmm. um, you know, the ones that were doing the extra things, um, picking up the dugout at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I always watched um, to see if they were carrying their own bag. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have someone, it's not professional baseball. Mm-hmm. You don't have someone carrying your equipment in for you. Mm. So um, you all have to work as a team. And if you're too good to carry your own bag, then you're probably going to be too good to carry the equipment or put it away, mm-hmm. um, you know, and take responsibility. So that was one thing that I looked for. Um, the other thing is I, I said I had to look for a specific athlete mm-hmm. that could maybe do something, you know, different. So maybe they were a shortstop right now. Um but there's possibility that they had the, you know, you know, size and um, mm-hmm. quick hands to play another position that we needed. And so a lot of times that's, that's uh, some of the things that would happen. 
mm-hmm. we'd go out and we'd recruit basically an athlete that had um, a special tool that we would fit our uh, offense or our defense mm-hmm. and then just develop them because we were not going out there and able to recruit the power like power five schools do now you know we were mm-hmm. we were kind of you know we had to get a very specific student mm-hmm. Is there any advice you would like to share for players who may be who may be in college right now or who are about to? Well, I I would say develop good habits now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before you get to college, uh, you know, being a student athlete is is not easy. Um, it's definitely fun, but mm-hmm. it's not easy. And so, um, if you can develop those good habits now of being able to wake up when your alarm goes off and not hit it 20 times Mm -hmm. or um, be able to work out on your own, Uh, you know, especially like if you're a pitcher, Mm -hmm. um, you know, working out on your own is so important because uh, your coaches, I'm pretty sure it's still the same, you know, you only get in the fall two hours a week really Mm -hmm. with your coach of individual practice so you have to do a lot on your own and if you don't have mom or dad sitting on a bucket to catch you you know you have to be disciplined enough to find other alternatives Mm -hmm. um and then you know again um you know be be a good student because even if you are um gonna be a coach or you know you're gonna be a pro softball player you still have to learn how to manage money. You still have to learn how to negotiate, um, how to read, you know, effectively. So, um, you know, you can't take for granted your education. Uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of the foundation of, of the college athlete anyway. So, um, you know, develop those good habits mm-hmm. now before you get there. And that'll make it easier when you're there. For student athletes who may be trying to put themselves out for colleges, what advice would you give them to do to stand out more than other players? Well, and uh, I think that you have to capitalize on the opportunities that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also helpful if you can go to camps, which with COVID, that's kind of wiped that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if I, I would say that if, you are not a pitcher or catcher, um, but let's say you're an infielder. Um, you know, develop your swing mm-hmm. um, because coaches will find they will find a place for someone who can swing the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's kind of what happened with me when I played. Um, I couldn't really pitch after my freshman year, mm-hmm. um, and. I could hit, and so I ended up finishing at first base, and they taught me how to play first base mm-hmm. because I could hit. So um, I would think, you know, focus on that, and then to get yourself out there. Um, the I think that the um, the more you can get, especially like your high school years, the more you can get on a team that's actually going to go to tournaments that are going to be recruited by coaches, um, which of course COVID is completely different. That's really thrown a kink in everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, typically there were um there were college exposure tournaments that you knew that most of the college coaches were gonna be at. Uh so if you were on a travel ball team that didn't go to those then you weren't getting seen. Mm-hmm. Um 
can't be seen. Uh, there's other ways. But I think that um, if you have a dream school mm-hmm. or you have, you know, a certain aspiration, like if you want to go to medical school and so you you want to try and go to Duke University because it's got, you know, one of the best medical schools in the country. Yeah. Um, you know, invest in trying to attend some of their camps that mm-hmm. they have, especially if you know that one of the coaches is going to be there at one of those college exposure camps. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't waste a lot of money going to them all the time, but be very strategic and specific in the ones that you attend. And then while you're there, take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Don't have an off day. You know, mm-hmm. give everything you have and leave everything you have out on that field, um, you know, so that they, they see you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Miss Angie. It was a pleasure talking to you. And thank you so much for giving us such insightful information. I hope this helps out our listeners who may be struggling to get recruited or helps them by finding what can make them stand out from other student athletes. I want to say thank you again for those of you who have been listening to the series, and I hope y'all look forward to my future episodes.